0: This is an incredibly emotional conversation all the way around, but especially for the business owner, because you know, not only is this one of the largest financial transactions that anyone might have in their entire life, it's a transaction built around something that has taken so much time and thought and emotional investment from the people who have been building it.
1: You're listening to Estimate Rocket Radio, the hassle-free online software for service contractors that keep your business running from lead to pay. We want your business to grow, so we make it easy to get your job done.
2: Hey, everyone. It is a great day at Estimate Rocket Radio, and I want to give you all a really warm welcome. My name is Kathleen. I'm the Director of Sales here at Estimate Rocket, and I am always joined by my very dynamic co-host, Chris Shank, he is the leader of education and engagement here at Estimate Rocket. Hey, Chris, it's great to have you here.
1: Nice to be here. I'm all caffeined up and ready for a very (laughs) smart conversation. I have to stay sharp on this one.
2: I know, I know. We are so delighted. First of all, Morgan Ray is our guest today at Estimate Rocket Radio. And I'm laughing and smiling because we have just known her for so long. She is such a force to be reckoned with. She is such a sharp consultant. Uh, when it comes to finances and business growth. And it is so much fun to have her on here because we love that topic. And that's when when we get up in the morning, that's all we think about is how can we make our service contractors' lives more meaningful, more profitable. So we love having Morgan on. Um, Morgan is just a dynamo. She is currently the managing partner of Mark 5 Consulting Firm, they have a really strong focus on mergers and acquisitions along with fractional CFO services. And if you know Morgan's name, it's because she has been for quite some time a managing partner over at Online Bookkeeping.
1: We talk with Morgan about a lot of stuff. This is the first time having Morgan on the Estimate Rocket Radio podcast. It's been long overdue. So we cover a broad range of topics. We're going to hope to dive in a little bit deeper with her in the future on some of these. We talk about where the trade industries are going. We talk about a lot of new developments with. Owning a business and what that means in our economy. We talk about how to find coaching, how to find fractional CFO, CMO, CEOs, and how to partner with other businesses and maybe one day sell your business. There's a lot here and we have the right person walking us through.
2: Hey, Morgan, it is fantastic to have you at Estimate Rocket Radio. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love any excuse
0: to sit down and talk with you both for a bit. Yeah, we
1: usually have some fun in, in conversations and Kathy is chomping at the bit to talk with you about this topic. I know you guys connect really well. And uh, I I think we have a lot to learn from you. You have some different experiences in not just the painting industry, but across different trade industries. And so let me ask you real quick, just to kind of start off, what are you up to these days? What's going on?
0: You know, it's been a really busy year. So I'd say that I've What am I up to these days? I've been busy. So, I've got a couple of different projects that have been developing. Um, The best way to describe what I've been up to is that I have thoroughly moved into the mergers and acquisition space um, in a couple of different roles. And so, one of those roles that I've been really enjoying has been. In um, the part of an investor, so I do have a couple of different businesses in the mix now, some joint venture partnerships and things that are really exciting. One of which is going to be a really fun one, uh, specific to the painting industry, which is not ready for public announcement yet. So people will have to get in touch on social media or stay tuned with Estimate Rocket because we're working mm-hmm. together on that one. Um, but that one's going to be really focused on doing some community building and creating some awesome educational content, which I'm really excited to be doing in partnership with you guys here at Estimate Rocket. So that's one project. Um, the mergers and acquisition side of things, I'm doing a lot of consulting and a lot of uh, deal-making assistance and a lot of education with business owners about what does that mean? You know, it, And really what it means is it's a specific phase of a business's life cycle that is getting a lot more interest lately as more people are becoming intrigued and investing into the home services space. So that's Mm -hmm. had a lot of activity and a lot of fun. Um, And then the third arm is actually my husband and I have uh, been launching or we're about to launch a customs business. So a laser engraving merchandise marketing materials business. That's a little bit more on his side of the house than mine, but one of the first things we're going to be starting with is going to be a product line geared for all of the things that um, home services businesses need and use in their day-to-day marketing marketing or their customer gifts and things like that.
1: Wow.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. You guys are doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Amazing. We got
0: we got a lot of hands on deck for that. So I'll say I'm not operational in that arm. Um, mostly just giving them giving them some good ideas and pointing them in the right direction for the types of things that you know our market needs and likes. Uh, but yeah, a lot of really interesting things uh, in the mix.
1: So it sounds like you're reaching into a lot of the different trades, and you're going to probably have a, a picture of what's going on in the trades and service industries could you give us a little bit of your perspective on what's going on out there, where the trade's going? And I know this is a big order for you to come in and like, well, let me tell you what's happening in the world. But, but surely I know you're you're getting ready to bite off a big piece of kind of what's happening out there in business and, and, and you know, new businesses, entrepreneurship, um, but, but even beyond and going big into commercial and, and maybe beyond that, I don't know. But that takes a big perspective. And I, that's what I know about you. You're very educational. You're a big perspective person, a fellow learning, if you will, (laughs) I call them (laughs) learnings, people who like learning big things and investing in big things. So it's always fun to see what's happening next, but where do you think the trades industries are are going? What's, what's happening with all that?
0: Oh man, this is really bad. My favorite topic lately. Um, I think that you express it really well when you say it's a, it's a big perspective thing. So I would say that, you know, the context that most people are probably familiar with me and is that for the last several years, I've been doing a lot of work basically as a fractional CFO with an accounting firm that, um, I was a partner in. So I, I had an opportunity to exit that business in the last year and start pursuing some of these other things that I'm finding really interesting. And the reason that I was really motivated to do that is, um, accounting and living in the financial sphere as an advisor offered a lot of really great in the weeds perspective on a bunch Mm -hmm. of different businesses. And we, we specialized in contracting. So both commercial and um, residential home services type businesses. And so it was really fascinating for me to see, you know, down in the weeds really deeply the details of a bunch of different businesses. But after doing that for a few years, I started getting more and more intrigued by the big picture perspective. And so I kind of think of it, like I started taking a step step back and then another step back and then another step back. And then I started looking, at all of the, the contracting industries alongside some of these other industries that um, I would say are a little bit further along in their kind of evolutionary life cycle. Because mm-hmm. I think of I think of businesses and industries both kind of evolving along similar tracks. So the sphere that I come from, I really love thinking about strategy. I kind of think of myself as a business strategist and especially a growth strategist. So I started getting curious about what's going on in other places and kind of poking around and spending some time in the e-commerce space or the digital marketing space and different types of agency businesses that have had a lot more money and a lot more investment fueling faster growth. But now that money and that investment and that interest is really turning its eyes towards the trades, because of the fact that there's a lot of there's a lot of blue sky that hasn't been explored yet. Um, the trades in general have have not changed, have not evolved substantially for a very, very long time. We've started to see a lot more of this in the last um, two decades, I would say, you know, we're seeing more people embrace um, creating virtual aspects of their business, removing Mm -hmm. our business Components online. We're doing more things with softwares to make our business perform more efficiently and recognizing how that can create huge leverage for moving the business forward, which makes us more stable and also makes it easier for us to invest in our team and invest in our culture. So, because of that, now construction and the trades are starting this evolutionary trend that we've seen in other industries. And so because other industries have already experienced it, we can identify some of the trends and the things that they did that helped well, that certain businesses did that helped them adapt and evolve really successfully. And we can pull those tactics back here into the trades um, to get even more effective as we sort of ride this cresting wave of um, of evolution and change and growth. Mm.
2: I know. And that's so exciting. And it's exciting to help our contractors evolve. And, and there are things that you can bring to the table that they may never have thought of before. So that's, that's super exciting, Morgan. Um, so can we talk about just defining the differences? Cause I know a lot of our customers are familiar with using a business coach. I know that a lot of our customers are familiar with hiring a CPA to guide them and help them in their firm. So Morgan, can we go over the differences between coaching versus consulting versus a fractional CEO?
0: Absolutely. Um, this is one of those trends I would say that we've been seeing a lot of movement toward in the last two or three decades, which is you know the way that small businesses used to be. We were kind of we were maybe a family shop or an owner operator, and they were really expected to kind of know and do everything in the business. <laughs> but as we know, as as you grow and you scale up, you start to recognize that you know you've got a specific area of expertise or things that you really like and that you do well. And if you want the business to grow beyond you and a small team, you have to embrace pulling in some other skill sets or some outside perspective that are going to help you grow more efficiently. So that's where we've started to see um, much more emphasis on education and coaching and wanting to pay attention to different platforms like these podcasts so that we can learn more about what's everyone else doing in the business? You know, Mm -hmm. what what, we're taking more of a globalized look at the industry so that we can make ourselves better. So there's a few different kind of specialties or ways of doing this that have popped up. Um, there's a lot of great education and a lot of the people that I think have made and had made a name and a place for themselves as a coach or as a fractional CEO, CFO, CMO, Um, or as consultants, I think that they do a lot in general as educators. So a lot of content, a lot of education being created, podcasts, web shows, speaking at events, um, really great ways to access a wealth of knowledge and information from a variety of people. But then I would say the way that people um, structure their individual relationships with business owners is sort of where we get into the differences between coaching and consulting and other types of advisory. I think of coaching as being um, very community oriented um, and there's usually a lot of upfront education happening in different coaching spaces. And what I mean by that is that usually if you want to engage in a coaching program, if you find a good one, and there's so many really great ones, um, especially here in the States, basically you, you kind of get into their network and a good coaching organization is going to kind of profile you and identify, you know, where are you, what's your level of knowledge and interest and the things that you want to work on. And so then they'll pull you into this educational system that they've devised, um, to, you know, give you some foundational knowledge and then work with you at the next step, which is building a community of like-minded peers That you can plug in with and you can relate to. And there's an incredibly high level of respect and understanding and camaraderie that's really, really valuable. So it's a blend of ongoing education. Definitely accountability is a huge part of that. And then the community component, I would say, are the three key factors that play a role in coaching. So coaches are going to be mentors, but they're also going to be, you know, these centralized points of of, of community and knowledge and, you know, being able to stay in the loop on different types of trends. Other types of advisors that might be doing something um, like a fractional CEO, CMO, CFO, those do also tend to be ongoing engagements, I think, but they're with a very particular subject matter expert on a very specific part of your business. So I tend to think of those as, you know, you as a growing business, you might have a need for some pretty high level brand strategy or somebody to come in and redesign different elements of, you know, your marketing funnels or design some training programs for you on the sales side. So there are different people that it's similar to coaching, but it's more focused on developing skill sets or processes or systems in your business, very particular to their area of expertise. And it's kind of like, you know, you might not want to, or you might not be able to justify having a full-time CFO, somebody who specializes in that full-time, but you want to have access to them and you want to be able to pick their brain and touch base with them. And, you know, once a month or a couple of times a month might be plenty for your size of business, but Mm -hmm. you want somebody who's fully immersed in that particular skill set. So that's what those relationships look like. And then a lot of consultants, I think, might kind of dabble in a couple of worlds. They might do some coaching. They might also do some fractional work like that. Um, But the kind of consulting that I've been doing lately, I've been thinking of it as being pretty distinguished from coaching in that I've been really interested in focusing on implementation and stepping in for a very particular project and helping a business execute, um, a, with, with a specific goal or a deliverable in mind. So it's going to be more of a, um, it's going to be more of a limited engagement with a very particular focus. You know, it takes whatever time that it takes, but, you know, mm-hmm. usually you're going to want to have different goal lines that you're working through together. And then the idea is that then I can step out and that business has put these systems in place or has attained different knowledge. And now they're at a point where they can run with that into the future and they don't really need me. And so okay. with, with my interest in M&A, developing those kinds of implementation projects is um, much more conducive to helping businesses really scale. And then I can move on to the next one.
2: Okay. So let me just dig a little bit deeper into this on, on what you do want to help, um, our service contractors with. So, um, when you say implementation, I would assume that is new software products. Is that
0: definitely could be part of it? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. um, I have had a few people reach out with interest on software products for the most part, I would actually mm-hmm. try to act as, um, a res- a resource for finding mm-hmm. somebody who's really a specialist in that particular product.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's
0: the nice part about having a great network. Um, some of the implementation projects that I've been working on lately have been geared towards strategic hiring and you know, creating really good, robust recruitment funnels and walking business owners through how I think about um, screening candidates and performing interviews and maybe doing some compensation negotiations. So that may be a piece of it. Um, similarly, going through and redesigning some of the marketing funnels and redoing parts of a website, um, I might go in and you know rethink how a website is framed and put together. So it's really mm-hmm. about being an architect of a different part of an experience. You know what is your customer experiencing here? What are your potential candidates experiencing? And then on the MA side, it's very particular to how do we make your business sale ready? You know, you might right. not be ready to sell it today or next year or five years from now. But the truth is that most people who eventually sell their business or, or actually fail to sell their businesses, which is much more common, um, usually that either the opportunity or the need strikes when they're not expecting it. Um, whoever their potential buyers are or people that they're not expecting. So there's a lot of proactive activity that we can take to just make you more robust and give you more options as you kind of explore what you want to do with the business and yourself professionally.
2: Yes. And, and I think let's talk about a little bit about merges, if you don't mind, because I think a lot of people, um, it, it, you know everyone's familiar with selling, but what happens when you merge your company with another company? So, can you shed a little bit of light how some of your successful mergers have worked out without being very specific on on names? Absolutely.
0: Um, so, when we when we talk about the space for mergers and acquisitions, there's a lot of different types of of activity that happens there. But I think the best way to think of it is that there are different types of partnerships. Um, There's a lot of partnerships or mergers that happen because they're part of a a stepped or a phased acquisition, um, which would mean that maybe there's a business owner that is long-term interested in exiting the business, but they recognize that To turn their business into something that's not just a job that they own, but actually a really great asset that they could sell and that's going to live on beyond them, that they need to grow to a certain size to make that um, an enticing asset or an enticing option for somebody Mm -hmm. to eventually invest in. And a really great way to grow is to grow through merging or partnering with other people or possibly absorbing another business into yours. There's a few different reasons uh, why people are motivated to do that, but the best reasons um, to make that successful, and I think the key indicators of whether that's going to be successful, are going to be finding partners that are very complementary to you in some reason for some, in some way. Um, so I like I love talking business owners through. You know, if you want to start growing through acquisition or you want to contemplate merging with another business, that the first thing you need to do is actually thoroughly profile your own business and your own skill sets and do kind of a SWOT analysis. Think through what are the strengths and the benefits that you bring to the table mm-hmm. as a partner? What are the things that you need help or that you need to potentially acquire some skills or acquire some people to supplement to fuel your next phase of growth? And then that makes the conversation much clearer whenever you're navigating partnering or merging with another business. So you need a real clarity of expectation as far as what everyone's bringing to the table and also what everyone's potential exit options are. Um, you kind of want to think of it as designing a prenup from the very yes. beginning.
2: Yep. <laughs> Des- design the divorce before the marriage.
0: Exactly right. That way everyone's really clear on what they're, what they're getting out of the arrangement, what they're bringing to the table and what their role is and the the grander plan.
2: And like you said, a merger in one aspect can be, you're writing out a check to hire a seasoned team that immediately can come into the fold and make you that much bigger and that much more efficient. So whether you are a service contractor or a software company. It all applies in the same way. Absolutely. And there's a
0: lot of ways to contemplate growing through mergers and acquisitions that don't even necessarily require cutting a check at the front end. Um, One of the most common scenarios that I've been seeing, especially in the trades, are these scenarios where there's maybe a business owner who's angling towards retirement in the next 5 to 10 years and they look around and they realize you know I've got a great little business here but I don't necessarily have a successor lined up who might be able to buy this business from me or I have a successor but they I don't feel confident that they've had enough time and experience with growing a business that they're going to be successful you know, buying the business from me and paying me for it over time, which is how most of these deals end up needing to be structured. Especially mm-hmm. if you want to get a premium for selling the business, you usually are going to get paid out over a period of years, but that's that can be pretty risky for you as a business owner, depending mm-hmm. on who you're selling the business to, because you're banking on them running it successfully enough that they're able to pay you and make it profitable enough for themselves for it to be a win-win and a good right. investment for them. So I think a lot of businesses contemplate doing a merger because it's a really great way to provide an upward trajectory and a career path for their current team and partner up with somebody who is interested in staying in the space for longer. They have the experience, they have the skill set needed um, to keep the business growing in, in a great productive way and efficiently. So it's just it's really beneficial all the way around. And that's kind of the most common scenario I'm seeing lately. Oh, I love these subjects.
1: (laughs) I was so
2: excited to have you on the podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having
1: me. (laughs) Morgan, do you feel like there's a lot of fear with people who have been in a trade for a while in the painting industry, maybe we see it, but uh, as they continue in business and maybe they're making money as they start out and they start growing and stuff, but then they start thinking about what's next succession or, or selling the business or merging or whatever. Do you feel like there's some fear of the unknown there that could, you know, I wonder if people as they start aging and and they feel like one is they don't want to be working all the time in their business. They want to eventually work on their business and that's a hard enough shift anyway, Mm
2: -hmm. but as
1: they're hopefully get to that stage where they work on their business, then they think, well, is this really, is this business worth any money? I, I heard somebody one time quantify how much they think their business is worth. By how many email addresses they had. Oh no. <laughs> and and this was somebody who had been, been in a business for a while and had several, I don't know how many employees, but several employees. But that when I heard that, I was like shocked. I was like, oh no. And yeah. that's what they were betting on, is like, well, I have this big customer base or whatever. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's probably not people aren't necessarily going to business school and then going into some trades industry. A lot of people are kind of growing up as the technician, you know, and and then growing into entrepreneurship and whatnot. And so they're kind of learning about these things and sometimes they feel maybe too late. So there might be some fear that is oppressing and burdening people as they kind of contemplate these subjects. Do you see that playing out? And do you feel like some of what you bring to the table is some enlightenment and some hope for knowing what to do next? Oh yeah, I think
0: um that's a really insightful perspective on that, Chris. And it's so true. Um, so much of this, it's a it's a major life transition. And I and I talk about that all the time, whether I'm talking about it with um maybe investors who are interested in coming in and partnering with businesses on the ground to help fuel growth, or you know, somebody who's thinking about adding one of their key team members into the mix as a partner, or they want to merge with another local business this is an incredibly emotional conversation all the way around, but especially for the business owner because you know, not only is this one of the largest financial transactions that anyone might have in their entire life, it's a transaction built around something that has taken so much time and thought and emotional investment from the people who have been building it. So there's mm. a few, yeah, there's a few dynamic elements in play here. So one is just, you know, we, when we spend so much time on something and we've obviously invested massive amounts of effort into it, it can be easy to become a little bit, um, we can kind of overestimate the value of that to someone else. Um, and, you know, business valuation is even more complicated than something like having real estate appraised there's all of these different elements that might be more important to different types of investors similar very very similar to real estate So there's, um, a lot of different kind of levers and gears that you want to think about if you're wanting to build the business into something that could potentially sell or could potentially support you as you exit into retirement, different Mm -hmm. pieces of this, that you should be paying more attention to developing so that it's more enticing to someone Mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, but I do think there's a lot of fear around, um, What's this next phase of life going to look like? And in some ways, I think we're better off now than we have been because people are starting to have this realization and conversation much, much earlier than I think they were before. And -hmm. I think it's largely been fueled by the difficulty in hiring right now. Like Everyone is seeing it very up close and personal that they're struggling to get new people into the business. They're really struggling to keep people motivated to stick around. And it's started to make people question the long-term viability of like building up somebody to take over the business. And they're having those next step conversations with themselves. So at least we're a little more prepared. We're thinking ahead a little bit more than I think people really probably have been the last several generations.
2: Right. And I know that I'm just throwing this off the cuff, but do you think, um, of course, growth is a major indicator of how a company is doing when someone wants to buy them uh, growth year over year. But do you also think that um, if you have a solid, repeatable um, customer base year over year, do you think that's something that a company is going to want to buy and that will value highly?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of different elements. So one of them is going to be maybe growth year after year, Mm -hmm. um, how stable profitability is if we're not having major swings. So usually for evaluation, you're going to be looking at probably the last five years of financial data. Um, Some of the other factors that are going to be really important to like, if we were looking at this from the perspective of an investor who's just analyzing these metrics and doesn't really know a lot about the business on the ground, they're going to be really curious about, you know, the size of your customer list is important, but more than that, they're going to be curious about how many of those are repeat customers. Like what's the average lifetime value of mm-hmm. one of your customers? What's your average job size, you know, and, in, in other industries, they call it the average cart value because different people will purchase at different amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want to know like on average, how, how high is that, Um, is the value of a single transaction compared to maybe some of your competitors. And then one of the other um, big pieces that any kind of partner is going to be interested in is the operator. Who's operating the business on the ground? Like Where are these these key people? Um, Are they the business owner who's looking to exit? Because if the business is really focused and centralized on you and you want to exit in the next few years, well, now that means that you know, coming into it, we have the problem of needing to find somebody up to replace you because most investors and partners, they've got a lot going on. They're not interested in stepping in and being hyper operational for, for long periods of time. So those are a few of the things that um, play a pretty big role in whether this is a good
2: deal or not. Hmm. Such awesome information. I know.
1: So good. We don't (laughs) talk about this much.
2: I know. I know, but it's exciting. It it really
1: is. Uh, my last question, maybe Kathy has something, but I want to ask real quick, and maybe this is like soundbite material, but if you were to answer somebody's question who was asking, um, how much do you think my business is worth? And and is there some quick percentage of what their yearly revenue is or their yearly profit? Is there some quick like percentage that if you make this, if you profit this per year then you could probably sell your business or maybe it's like you know a multi-year profit or something but is there a quick calculation there or are there just too many moving pieces
0: There's so many moving pieces, but a quick benchmark is going to be, you know, any business that's doing less than 10 million a year in revenue, um, a a quick and dirty evaluation is going to be based on your EBITDA. So let's think about that as your net profit before you do any depreciation for most, Mm -hmm. for most contracting businesses. Mm -hmm. So net profit before your depreciation, um, an average business and most of the, the construction or the trade space is going to be about two and a half times EBITDA, which is not a lot. That's really not a lot for most businesses. Now, one of the tricks here are that you can position yourself to get sometimes three to four to maybe four and a half times EBITDA, depending on how well positioned the business is. But then the next trick and the thing that most people who are aggressively pursuing growth through acquisition or rollups is that when you get to a certain size, and it's usually about 10 million in revenue and up, profitability becomes less important now what we're predominantly concerned with is actually top line revenue. Um, There's a lot of different ways of packaging up different businesses together. And just by increasing the top line revenue, not changing anything else about the business, the valuation multiple goes up because now we're appealing to a completely different type of investor. And this is when we're talking about selling into private equity and then eventually bundling them up enough that maybe different businesses go public. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really like the long-term strategy is kind of getting out of the weeds here with the smaller multiples. People Mm want to get bigger, create more stability. And then the valuation multiples start jumping up pretty substantially. And that's why
1: they need you Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, You kind of do need some, if you're like saying, well, you could make this much and you know, people don't want to walk away from this conversation thinking like, Oh, I could just sell it for that. Cause probably you're implying like, you need to know what you're doing just like selling a home. And if you're going to, you have to know what you can get for it and you have to know how to negotiate and all those moving pieces we talked about. Right.
0: Yeah. And the sad reality is um, not only do most people overestimate the, the value of their business. um, Even if you have a fair expectation of the value over 75% of businesses across all sectors that go up for sale, never sell. Mm, Um, They just don't. It's very difficult to, to successfully find that, that person, that right buyer to present the right way. Um, so that's kind of the scary part of this is that it's, it's a little bit more common. I say to kind of give something a Viking funeral and sort of torch it, (laughs) set it ablaze and set it adrift, (laughs) then, then find somebody to
2: pass the torch onto. I like the Hawaiian funeral that, that gives me a better image going off into the sunset with fire all around me in a warm beach (laughs) That's
0: definitely a better way to think of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's that's amazing. I've had very private, personal, confidential conversations with business owners in the past several years. And um, what you say about that 75% can't sell. And that rings true. And it's very consistent with my experience in, in talking to people. And, uh, and it's sad. And, you know, I could never talk about it. But just you saying that, like, I'm like yep, I could definitely attest to the fact of I- I've seen that. And it's always shocking. It's always shocking. So this is all good information, which arms you for any contingency. You know, there are things that in the future, we're always trying to do our best to plan, but things come up that are unplanned. And uh, you need your information people around you. So Morgan, you're one of those people. We're really thankful to have you um, just in our network and excited to see what you're going to be doing in the future. Lots going on. Morgan, real quick, how can people get a hold of you if they want to contact you?
0: Yeah, best way to get a hold of me is going to be to email me. So, my website for Mark 5 Consulting should launch here in a couple of weeks. I've been very, very busy, actually. It's a good problem to have. So, the website's been sort of an afterthought as I tackle some projects. But you guys can always email me, Morgan at mark5.consulting. And that's Mark 5, spelled
2: MKV.
1: Well, Morgan, thank you so much for being on Estimate Rocket Radio. It's
2: been so fun to have this conversation with you. Thanks for having me.
1: This is Estimate Rocket Radio. Join our team at EstimateRocket.com.
0: It's a little bit more common, I say, to kind of give something a Viking funeral and sort of torch it, <laughs> set it ablaze and set it adrift, <laughs> then, then find somebody to pass the torch on to.